welcome, welcome back. Here I am with another episode of the Whole Brother Mission podcast. Not in the greatest spirits because this week and the previous week have been a lot in terms of the police violence and the victims being black people and uh, Adam Toledo, uh, Hispanic male. It's just been a lot going on as it relates to that. So I'm just going to recap what's been going on. I don't want to show anybody the videos because I, I'm realizing that although I like to see what happened to get a better understanding and provide some balance when I comment on these police shootings and so on and so forth, I do think that it can be a lot for some people or even traumatizing or crippling to watch the video. So at your own discretion, you can watch it, obviously, but I don't want to put them in this video. But they are there's a lot that has this happened recently. And I watched them for the sake of speaking in a in, informed way when something happens, because I do think we have to get some level of balance as it relates to these these police murders of black people or people of color and. While I do think changes are necessary, uh, I also think that uh, I'm not anti-police. I'm not completely against all police. I think there is some balance that we can achieve. However, I do think the system itself is a bit flawed and provides a wide level, uh, a wide latitude for police officers to, officers to do just about anything and in many cases get away with it, which is why we were shocked with the Derek Chauvin verdict that he was guilty on all three counts because most times police get away with things that are unjust and there are systems in place to cover it up so that they don't get in trouble. Uh, I was recently just last night watching a um, 2020 ABC recap of just the whole George Floyd situation and the trial and uh Derek Chauvin had several complaints that we as the public are not able to have access to. So it was pretty much the police policing themselves as it relates to that. And then even more recently, I haven't verified this, but right before recording, I saw reports that Derek Chauvin's being investigated for his dealings with a 17 year old black male being unjust and uh, I guess abusive. So I think this guy has some history as it relates to mistreating black people. Uh, and even if he doesn't, I was just really taken back watching that 2020 ABC kind of documentary about the George Floyd thing because they had him handcuffed before Chauvin even arrived. They had him very handcuffed very early in the process. So to see the extreme layers that they went to uh, to to abuse him and ultimately kill him, it really was a lynching out in the street. And I can only imagine how many things Derek Chauvin has done behind the scenes that didn't get recorded. And I can only imagine how many officers are doing this. So even in speaking on that, I do think we have to strike some kind of a balance in terms of how we address these things. But before even jumping into to George Floyd, uh, I'll work my way forward. So we got Dante Wright. So Dante was shot by a white female officer who says that she meant to use her taser. And as it turns out, Dante apparently was also taught in high school 
by George Floyd's girlfriend. So the stories are beginning to connect. And I'll show you in another scenario where the stories connect as it relates to the Dante Wright situation from what I observed. Just trying to be balanced. I think that uh, I, I, I don't know this whole taser gun thing. I've never heard of that. Never heard of an officer confusing a taser with a gun, especially with an officer that's been on the force that long. Um, and if I remember correctly from watching the video, I feel like she shot her gun and then said taser, taser afterward. And it made me wonder if that was some type of cover for something you intentionally did to make it look like an accident. Uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's just so many videos and things to keep up with. Uh, and some of it is grainy, so you don't know. But I feel like I heard her shoot the gun, saw her shoot the gun, and then she said taser, taser afterward, which is odd. But that was a Dante situation, which is unfortunate. Uh, then you have Adam Toledo, who I believe that one happened in Chicago, and he's Hispanic, if I'm not mistaken. And he was running from the officer and I don't even know what the true story is because there have been conflicting reports. So I know initially they said that he had a gun. Um, and then they walked those reports back and Lori Lightfoot had to backtrack. And then you see the footage and he clearly, when he raises his hands as the officer requested after running, he shot. And it just kind of looks like, well, my, my initial thought was, well, why did he shoot him if his hands were up? But I also wonder about, okay, if he did have a gun, how uh, quick are we expecting the brains of the officers in those high octane moments to synthesize and keep up with he has a gun, he doesn't have a gun. So that one uh, is a difficult situation to process too. But once again, as I'll say later, are there not other ways to to deal with these situations and to not deal with lethal force first? Um, and I say that because I know that there are other trainings outside of shooting to kill. I know that that's the case. And I've seen other tactics be used. And it's from my point of view, it's looking like there's not a value for black life. So when people don't just comply the way officers want, it's very easy to just dispose of them and kill them because their life doesn't matter anyway. Just, just kill him. He's inconveniencing us. Shoot him. Uh, I've seen several white people do wild stuff, running with knives, kicking, spitting on officers. Uh, and somehow they were able to be taken into custody without being killed. And I can't help but think of, uh, the Charleston shooter killed the Charleston nine, uh, how he killed nine people and then they were able to take him into custody. So it's, you think about w without, you know, killing him. So you think about if you know that this guy has already killed nine people, they're, they're already dead. He already killed them and you know, he has weapons yet. You don't shoot him on the spot. But then you think about the Micaiah Bryant situation, which is a horrible video to watch and how she was chasing someone else with a knife. No one's dead yet, but she got killed on the spot. So it's just, I don't have the answers in terms of how to handle policing, but it's just time and time again, 
there seems to be a low level of patience and a trigger happiness and shooting to kill amongst black people and, and brown people. But white people get this amazing level of patience from officers that others don't tend to get. And I'm wondering, I'm not saying all police are terrible. I'm just saying, hey, if y'all can be patient with white folks and you have all these other tactics that you can use, can you use those same approaches with black people rather than killing them immediately? Because in many of these situations, we have people dead that didn't need to be dead. that weren't even a physical threat. And even some are in being a physical threat. We know that people who kill multiple people can be taken into custody without incident. So why can't we institute those in these same situations? Uh, but as I mentioned, Micaiah Bryant, that one has sparked a lot of discussion because I actually see black people debating back and forth. I see some black people taking a hard stance. Micaiah deserved it. And then others that are disgusted with those comments. So I can say definitively, I don't think she deserved it. I wouldn't say that. But I will say is once again a complex situation because she was chasing someone else with a knife, clearly trying to damage that person. Uh, and I just wonder, could the officer have detained her or kept her from hurting the other person without killing her? That's what I'm thinking about. Like, was there another way to do this? Are there other options? Uh, and then we have to also be balanced, right? And getting to the discussion of, okay, well, why is this girl chasing somebody with a knife? Um, as I hear, and once again, it's so hard to keep up with all these reports, but as I hear, she was being attacked and then she was potentially defending herself and we just happened to see the part where she was defending herself. That's what I've heard. I don't know for sure. But again, I do think that we have to train our kids properly too. And to, we know what the ideal should be, but we don't live in the ideal. So now what? We want to train our kids for the reality rather than the ideal. And the reality is you, at least as a black girl or boy, cannot chase somebody with a knife. That just won't fly. So uh, I do think that... I'm Olivia Morgan, intake coordinator here at the Whole Brother Mission. I'm here to pass on a little information about how you can join us in helping men in need seek licensed professional counselors nationwide. Number one, ask. Ask if your employer participates in matching donations. Many employers will match your gift to a nonprofit. We are a 501c3, so all gifts are tax deductible. Number two, pass. Pass this video as well as our website onto others so that they are aware of our services and our need of support. And number three, give. If you're able to, please consider giving. The proceeds remove barriers for men seeing a culturally competent mental health professional, and they support our upcoming HBCU book tour. Thank you for your time. Micaiah put herself in a bad position by doing that. Now, I don't know what inspired her to do that. I'm not saying whether she's right or wrong. I'm saying the reality of it is that you put yourself in the negative when an officer sees you going after somebody attempting to use deadly force. And that's just the unfortunate, it's just an unfortunate situation all around. But once again, can we handle these things without shooting to kill, which ha seems to be the first step, shoot to kill. Uh, there's, um, this isn't necessarily looked at as a, a police shooting, 
But there's also, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, a few weeks ago, Jonathan Pentland was the white guy who was in the neighborhood, I believe, in South Carolina. There was a white, black guy walking through the neighborhood and the white guy's confronting him and he pushed him. The white guy's much bigger than the black guy. And I believe the uh, the white guy, Jonathan Pentland, did serve in the, the United States military. Um I never got the name of the black guy that he was kind of being pushy with, but then you have that whole situation. And it's like, all I saw was the video. I don't know the background, but the guy said that he lived in the neighborhood, but then you have this white guy being pushy with him. Uh, and now from my understanding, Jonathan Pentland and his family have had to leave their house because several people showed up in protest of his actions. So you have stuff like that. It's just story after story after story of black people being mishandled or killed. And no one's killed anybody yet. Like these aren't black murderers, but somehow black people are getting murdered. These aren't black people that have killed people. These are black people in unique situations. And somehow death is our first resort and or harassment in Jonathan Pentland's case. Uh, Karan or Karan Nazario. Uh, a black army second lieutenant. He's the one that the officers pepper sprayed. So you got this black man serving the country and getting pepper sprayed. And that, that situation just looked odd all around. Uh, I understand the officers kept asking him to get out of the car, but I know that from the video clip I saw, he kept asking what he was being detained for, what was going on. And they wouldn't explain it to him from, from what I saw, uh, which was a, a cut up clip. But again, I see a high level of impatience and anxiousness. A lot of these officers seem scared uh, to be doing their jobs. And my thing is, I understand that it's a difficult job. And I think that people that do it are noble. But if you're scared, say you're scared. <laughs> you know, if Ice, Ice Cube said, if you're scared, go to church. You know, so don't be an officer if you... Or shaking in your boots, your gun shaking, you can't handle the stress. You know, people are going to be difficult. You know, that's a job that people sign up for. Nobody has to be an officer, but you can't take your black skin off. We're born black and we just are. And for some reason, uh, for a variety of reasons that I won't get into today, we're demonized. And I'm hoping that that changes, not just on a personal level, as far as interactions with people of different races, but also within our system. As I said before, I think the system gives police a wide latitude and we've seen time and time again them cover for police officers just to save face. But that's not justice. We need transparency because the police departments exist to protect and serve, not a good old boys club club or a, a, a blue blue lives club where people are just doing whatever the hell they want and having budgets and people working overtime to cover for injustice so and it's so much it's so it's so deep that there there are some good officers out there but they don't really get the opportunity to speak out and if they do they get handled incorrectly i want to encourage you to look into the story of Cario horn that's Cario c-a-r-i-o-l i-o-l uh you know she lost her pension and several other things by stopping another. She's an officer. She stopped another officer from choking somebody out. And they screwed her for that. 
for intervening. <laughs> and it's just kind of like this isn't these aren't just one off things, as some would have you to believe. There's systems of protection of BS. And that's what needs to change in terms of the systems. You know, at this point, I can only talk about interpersonal relationships with white people and what they could do better. But at the end of the day, even if white people are nice to us, we still have a system that's being protected that's unjust. So I want uh, police reform. I think qualified immunity being thrown out would be helpful. And um, I'm wondering what's going to happen with the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, but also looking to the Carol Horn's Carol's Law by Carol Horn, uh, making that national. These are tangible things I think will make a difference in terms of how policing is used in our country. And you can support the police while also holding them accountable. When people have these conversations, they tend to make it very unnuanced and they just say, well, if you criticize the police, you're anti-police. So stop calling 911 when you something happens at your house. It's just like we don't have to be that extreme about it. We can both be pro-black, care about the black lives that matter, and the police officers' lives matter as well. Uh, we don't want people going attacking them unjustly because there are people that have done nothing wrong that end up getting treated incorrectly because of what some crappy officers did. So I don't want good officers getting screwed up because of what bad officers did. But I also am realistic in understanding that some good officers just remain silent because they know that they can't have repercussions for speaking out about things that are wrong. Is it courageous and noble to speak out anyway? Yeah. But I know some of these men and women in those positions are just trying to look out for their families. They need their money to keep coming in. So they end up turning a blind eye to injustice. And that's just real. Uh, think about your own job, too. How much BS do you overlook just to make sure your check keeps coming? So at the end of the day, many of us are not in positions to take in black people who speak out about injustice and potentially lose their livelihood. We can't take them in and take care of them and and compensate them for the pension they lose or their retirement and uh, their mortgage and their salary. We don't really have a, a safe haven for them to go if they lose that stuff for speaking up for us. So I understand they're in a difficult position as well. So we need to understand these things from a nuanced perspective. I don't want now unemployed black people uh, happening as a result of them speaking out about something, but now they're screwed up and their family screwed up and the kids are screwed up. So it's just a nuanced thing where you got to figure out what's best for you. And me, I'm sitting here just trying to consider both sides of all of it and consider things from a nuanced perspective. We do need changes and I appreciate the officers that are speaking out, but I also know that the system is unjust where they will screw with those officers for speaking out. Because speaking out about what's wrong within the police department makes you anti-police, as it were, in terms of in terms of our public discourse. And that's that's wrong. Uh, so, you know, there's just a lot that needs to be processed through here. And um, I personally can't change things at a governmental level, at a policy level. But I can speak on what would be helpful in terms of interpersonal interactions with, with people. Um, so I'll close with the uh, George Floyd. So his case, uh, the, the trial was, uh, a hot mess from my perspective. I even said that as I was watching it, that the defense attorney for Derek Chauvin, uh, 
Eric, I think his name is. Uh, he did horrible. And I was like, man, I was wondering, is he just crappy at his job or could he just not defend the indefensible? Because it was just really bad all throughout. And I was like thinking, oh, man, Derek's going to get guilty on all these charges because he they really couldn't defend what he did. They just changed the subject and tried to lighten things. And then they had these so-called expert witnesses that came in and tried to say, well, George Floyd died because of other he died because of this and he didn't die because he couldn't breathe and you know just bsing gaslighting changing the subject narrative changing and the same stuff that i saw some of those uh so-called expert witnesses that were pretty much on george or on derek chauvin's side doing is the same stuff that i see people like candace owens do and right-wing political pundits they just keep wanting to change the subject. And I tweeted this, that I know that after the verdict came out, people like Candace Owens are going to come out into the public sphere and say, well, you people should be happy. You got what you wanted. This officer's going to jail. But who are you going to call when all the officers start quitting? Because now they, they're scared they can't do their jobs. Like, that's a load of crap. And we can't try to make officers who choose to take on a complex job, we can't try to make them the victims when this man got murdered in front of several people and they couldn't intervene because of how much power officers have. Uh, there are crappy, disgusting, evil, racist, uh, gutter people in the world. And some of those people take up the job of police officer. So what happens then? You get stuff like Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. So, we have to be able to criticize police without demonizing people that do so as some terrible people. And we can't keep changing the subject to everything but holding police accountable. And that's what Candace Owens and right-wing political pundits do quite a bit is changing the subject. We're just trying to get some justice and change for black people so they don't have to be scared. Yet these people are out here saying, there's nothing to be scared of. I don't see it in the numbers and the statistics don't say this. And they just keep trying to undercut what the majority of black people are saying, which is let's just have some balance and some justice. Let's have some accountability so that a white cop or whatever cop that has some issues with black people doesn't exact their racism upon me as a civilian and then have it covered up. Or just kill me out in the street and then say that I caused my own death. Or that. Like they tried to do George Floyd or he died from fumes or he died because of these drugs, not the knee on the neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. You know, we just keep changing the subject and it's complete BS and foolishness. And I don't even like mentioning these names, but I have to say the names to make this point. But I encourage you to just not engage because there are so many people that have been platformed just to distract from the subject at hand and to pretty much give red meat to their base, similar to how Donald Trump did. They're not articulating intelligent points. They may be able to speak in a cohesive way, but they're not trying to have an intelligent conversation about these issues. They're just there to undercut black people. That's literally the purpose of Candace Owens. She's there to undercut black people as a black woman. But literally her audience is white people and she's speaking to racist white people and ignorant white people and white people who don't want to learn. So, we have to not empower them more by sharing their content or foolishness 
And I even wrestled with like, do you try to engage with these people and share your side in a balanced, nuanced way without yelling or fighting? But I've since realized you can't argue with stupid. Um, and you can't try to have an intelligent conversation with people that aren't trying to have an intelligent conversation. They're just there to say what their audience wants to hear and get applauses from them. Uh, you know, so a puppet for a particular point of view is different than genuine people looking to have a progressive conversation for change that benefits everybody. Uh, Black Lives Mattering is a part of all lives mattering. So even the All Lives Matter crew should be on board with Black Lives Matter, uh, the notion, not necessarily the organization. But no, we can't get there because you have, you know, people that just distract from the actual conversation. So, you know, we need more progress in that area. I have a, a social media. Once again, I still have it because. um, Things like this <laughs> and the humor. Uh someone posted a picture and it basically says some of y'all need to realize that this is you it's a picture of a white guy and it says hi i'm a white dude who likes to play devil's advocate because other people's struggles are theoretical to me it's fun to debate their right to equality while we're here i would like to center my voice and perspectives about a cause that means nothing to me i'm here to take up all the oxygen in the room and exhaust people who are trying to fight against injustice so that we can maintain the status quo, which serves me. I have no interest in learning. Your frustration is my ultimate goal. Let's engage. And that goes for the white people in my comment section on Twitter and Facebook. And that goes for Candace Owens. And that goes for a lot of the people on the Republican side of things. And that's not to say that Democrats can't be criticized either, but a lot of this stuff is just foolishness to distract from the subject at hand so i think as black people uh we gotta be selective about where we share our energy i want to educate some of my white friends and white peers to help us all move forward together but you got to be very careful and discerning whether you're dealing with someone who just needs to be tuned up and educated versus a puppet like candace owens who's just there to distract from the subject at hand or create chaos uh, there, we can go back and look at the racism within our country uh, and our leadership that obviously infects police departments. But one of the most strategic ways that these unjust systems are maintained and that so many people maybe unintentionally are convinced to be on board with the foolishness is through uh, using a black face to say the things that white people can't say without pushback. So like Candace is one of those people, uh, Brandon Tatum, um, you know, Ben Carson does this stuff. Tim Scott does this stuff. A lot of black people in Republican politics, uh, Thomas Sowell, Vody Bauckham, uh, Alan West, you know, and I haven't exhaustively looked through all of these people's work, but I do know that there are black people that are just puppets, that people on the conservative side of things, that the pro-police, Blue Lives Matter folks, they use them to undercut what the majority of black people are saying. And while 
I want to have progressive dialogues even with people I disagree with, and I think that's a helpful thing as far as having a unified country. We have to know when we're dealing with coons. And I can't speak for all of them, but many of the people I just listed are cooning. They're saying what white people want to hear because white people are cutting the checks. And you got to realize when you're dealing with that, don't waste your emotional energy. Don't waste your intelligence on these people because you'll find that some of the black faces that are constantly going at black people trying to discredit George Floyd and say basically he deserved to die because he wasn't a good person. And it's not about George Floyd being perfect. It's about the unjust system that allowed someone to kill him. And then we dealt with it after the fact. How can we keep him from dying in the first place? That's the subject. But you have these coons that are being paid by white people to say crazy things and distract from the subject and get the likes and approval and applause of ignorant and racist white people. So before you engage with some of these black puppets, ask yourself, research who's writing the check, because you'll find that most of these crazy black pundits that are not helping have been platformed by white people. And then that's their diversity quota. Look, we got Candace saying this. So be careful. You know, whole brother mission, what about mental health? Protect your mental. And sometimes that means not even playing educator for people that don't want to learn. There's already enough killing going on in our country that is grieving us. I can imagine there's stuff going on in your own life. So I, I recommend just go ahead and fall back. And some people are not worth your time. And I know that may sound mean or arrogant, but that's a self-protective measure. Some people, some content, some conversations are not worthy of your time or energy or intellect. So be selective about that. Be stingy with your time. Uh, I would encourage you be open to have these hard conversations about race and policing in our country. Have them, but be selective about who you have them with. Uh, I found that many people don't have an audience. Uh, they don't have people that listen to what they say. They find someone like me or someone like you or anybody that has a platform, an audience, a comment section, and they will use your comment section, your platform, your mentions to articulate some foolishness that they've been processing through. Don't allow them to do it. Don't allow them to do it because it allows it's kind of like the coronavirus. It gives it a place to spread. And I think you um, can stop the spread by quarantining those people. They may not self-quarantine, but you go ahead and quarantine them so we can keep them in an island on their own saying their foolishness. You know, um, this is one of the funnier ones that I saw <laughs> because these people just say wild and outrageous things. Uh, a friend of mine posted, um, Vody Bakum and Thomas Sowell be like, there's no racism because every black person isn't dead yet. And those people, <laughs> and I don't think they've actually said that, but they say extreme things like that. And they never consider white responsibility, whiteness, white supremacy, white power, white nationalism. They never talk about those things. They just keep the focus on black people when those things come up or change the subject to something else or minimalize it. Um, those people aren't looking to have 
real conversations. So don't you waste your time on that. Just focus on the people that are. And I'm not the anti-white people person. I think there are some great white people out there that we can have progressive conversations with. Prioritize them if you want to have these interracial conversations and challenge your white friends to have intra-racial conflict. White people need to be calling other white people out on their BS. Just like in that policing situation, it would have been better if some of those other officers, this is blue lives confronting blue lives, uh, if those officers would have stopped him, but they didn't. If they would have stopped Chauvin, but they didn't. And those officers, other three officers are on trial next. Uh, but we need not just black people speaking up about what's wrong, but I need white people that are courageous to speak up. Don't allow a pass for your racist uncle or grandfather. Um, call out your colleagues for what they say behind the scenes when the black person or the Mexican person isn't around or isn't at the lunch table or in the lounge room. Uh, don't allow these things and these ideas don't allow them places to thrive and grow. And I think that's part of the main issue is that America has been a safe haven for white supremacy for so long. Um, and that's due to policy and approaches on both the left and the right. But I think we we're moving at a point, And this is, I think, in part why Trump got elected. Uh, we had a black president. I think a lot of people got uncomfortable with that. He actually leaned into his blackness in certain situations. And that, uh, I think, challenged pure Americana. And by that, I mean people from, you know, flyover states who really think America is for white people. I think the black president set them off. And as Van Jones described it, Trump got into office because that was a white lash. Like, no, we're losing whiteness. We're losing our country. Uh, it's been coddled for so long. And I do think that uncomfortability that happened as a result of Barack Obama is necessary to get to a point where America actually is what America says it is and not a... Uh, safe haven for white supremacy, uh, you should feel uncomfortable. Um, the priority needs to no longer be white people's comfort because when we prioritize white comfort, black people die. Plain as that. So let's get to a point where all lives matter, but we start with the black lives mattering. And of course the Asian lives mattering too, and everybody else. Uh, our country in many ways is all See, I'm about to get into just how how whiteness works in America, but I'll, I'll leave it with this. White people run just about everything in our country. And. That's business, commerce, finances, banks, uh, landscaping, science, tech, Fortune 500 companies, government, politics. Just about every facet of our society is run by white people. Every president has been white to include Barack Obama, um, who's half white. The change is going to come when white people begin to understand just how all encompassing their power is in this country and have the willingness to uh, share that privilege with other, others to lay down some of it, but also to advocate for people that are not being treated like true Americans, like George Floyd. I do think much more compassion would be given 
if some of the people that were in black people's positions were white people, if George Floyd was a white man, if Sandra Bland was a white woman, I think we would look at these things very much so differently. And the reason we don't look at them the same is because for many, some might say black lives matter, but they really don't internally. Um, they don't when black people aren't around. So the big change will come, I think, when white people in mass and white people with power get on board with this and begin to use that power to make systemic change. Because it's just not it's not just about individuals. Derek Chauvin acted the way he did because he was empowered to do so. He was empowered to do so. So let's have these necessary conversations about change. Uh, send this to your white friends. Uh, let's work through it. But let's not waste our time on uh, people that are just there to distract and that intentionally misunderstand. Thank you guys for joining me. This has been another episode of the Whole Word of the Mission podcast. Thanks.